So, having acknowledged that it has been a rough week for many of you, I do not want to make light of that at all. Um, but I want to introduce you to a little bit of my calamity, um, and that is just the madness that is Kevin. Um, this was a, a, a like stressful week. I knew going into this week that I had a lot going on, um, a lot of things happening and all this stuff, and so uh, kind of made my day, so to speak, when I went to the office and had a day full of meetings coming, and I I see that there's a balloon sitting out, and next thing I know, I open the bathroom door, and there are hundreds of balloons that have been left for me. And so my thought was, you know what? Everyone who has a key to this place comes back to this place within a week. So I'll just not use the restroom for the week, and I'll leave it for them, and they'll have to deal with it. And so that was kind of like my mentality. And if you don't know this about me, if anyone ever does any kind of prank to me, my MO is to pretend like it didn't happen. I'm just letting you know. And I love that it frustrates the mess out of people. Um, So just know that about me. If you do something to me, it's very unlikely that I will acknowledge that you've done anything to me. I'll just pretend like life has gone on and I don't know what you're talking about. But I'm going to acknowledge that because I should have acknowledged it. Because what happened is somebody comes by and it's a very serious conversation. And so I'm having this very serious conversation. They need to use the restroom and it clicks in my mind. No. (laughs) So I let them go in and kind of forewarn them. Like there's 100 balloons in there. But you know, Um, so they kind of wade through and like balloons are spilling out everywhere. And like I'm already so stressed and just like, I'm throwing a pity party, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm having a little temper tantrum. And so, meeting ends, and now I'm like, I need to get all these balloons back in there because I am certainly not taking care of this mess now. They're going to deal with it. So I'm putting them all back in there. And if you've been to our office, there's like this coffee table, like bar-style bar table there that's got the coffee maker and stuff, and it's right next to the restroom. And I don't realize what I'm doing as I'm throwing balloons back in there, throwing a temper tantrum, that I've worked my way under the coffee table. And I've also learned this about myself. I don't do anything half-paced. When I stand up, I stand up. And so I just whoopa, smack the top of my head. And so uh, please don't zoom in, but there is still a, a big gash there. Um, but the thing is, like, I immediately knew, like, stars, like, oh, that, that wasn't good. And within, within minutes, like, there's this goose egg on my head and everything. And I start to go about my day, have a few more meetings, and, like, lunchtime comes, and I'm like, I'm, I'm not doing well. Like, I, I just need to let off some steam. And so what I do when I'm stressed is I work out. So I go to the gym for my lunch hour, and I'm at the gym, and I'm thinking, like, I'm okay. Everything's all right. And so I start to do my warm-up run, and I'm starting to sweat because that's just how I am. I'm disgusting like that. I'm sweating everywhere. And I run my hand through my hair, and I look back down, and there's blood on my hand. I'm like, well, this is worse than I thought. <laughs> so that's my week. How's your week? And I share that to say this. In those moments where I am just super stressed, or when something just doesn't go my way, when I'm exhausted, when I'm scared, when I'm hurting, when things are not well, do you know where I want to be? I want to be home. And I want to be with my family. I want to see my wife. Because, guys, you know this truth. There are moments where you realize, I hate everything but you. I just want to be with you. You want that comfort. You want to know that there is a safe place for you, that there's a people who love you, and they're not going to just bring in anything else that could hurt, but there's just safety there. And that's family. At least that's what family should be. Family should be a safe place and a safe people for us to be a part of. And I want to be with my family. I want to be safe, and I think all of us want to be safe. 
It's this human need um, that, that we have these needs. And, and if we classify our needs, there are needs that are immediate and then there are needs that are eternal. And if you've been following Jesus long, then you know that like, we, we regularly are telling you, like, look, th- these immediate needs, they're real. Like, they're needs, but there are eternal needs. And those eternal needs mean that there is a state in which you will exist forever. And don't you want to know that that will be well? So isn't that more important than now? And so we can get through life circumstances. We can sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul, in spite of the fact that everything is going crazy around us because we know that there's a home that is beyond this. There's a safe place. There is actually a place where Jesus himself is with nail-scarred hands going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And the former things will have passed away. And so we look forward with hope to that day but it does not mean that we do not have real needs today. And so when we are thinking about our desire for safety and thinking of the needs that we have, both immediate or now, and then eternal, and those that are to come, we must hear this from King Jesus. And this is in Matthew chapter 25. If you have your copy of scripture, Matthew chapter 25, we'll also have it on the screen. And Jesus has been preaching here, um, teaching on different things, and he's kind of in this stage where it's forward-looking. And for you theological nerds, this is called eschatology. This. He's looking forward, and he's been teaching all this stuff, but now he gets to this part in verse 31 of chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. What is that? Why would you separate the sheep from the goats? Well, one of them is worth something. The sheep produce a material, the wool, that is worth something, and they have greater value. And and the goats, they take a lot. They diminish a lot. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger or take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. And Jesus is telling us here, yes, there is eternity at stake. And you need to care about that. But what you do today is going to matter for all of eternity. He's saying, look, here's the thing. If you 
will see the least of these, the vulnerable, the hurting, the people who have not, and you will step in and you will help them, then it is the same as you stepping in and helping me. If you ignore them, it's the same as you ignoring me. If you do nothing for them, it's the same as you saying, well, I want nothing to do with you, God. And so if we are to love Jesus, then Jesus said, this is how you express your love for me. This is what's going to matter for all of eternity is today, love the least of these among you. Love the vulnerable. Love the hurting. Help them. This is Jesus speaking to the basic human needs that we all have. Every human has this need for food, for shelter, and for companionship. Do you know that? But think about what do you really need in your life? You need food or you die. You need shelter or you die. You need companionship or yes, again, you die. You know what the number one predictor of suicide is? Social withdrawal. How many times do we hear story after story of people with these great idealistic ideas? I'm just gonna go be one with nature. I'm gonna get out of society. And what happens? They collapse in on themselves and realize this is not how I was meant to be. And that's why God made us in the beginning and said, here's man, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates woman. There's companionship, there's this complementary relationship. They help each other. And now he says it is good. Because it was not good for man to be alone. And so we have to see, we need food, we need shelter, we need companionship. And now you have to see, if you need that, so does every other human on this planet. And now you need to hear the words of our king saying, well, what will you do about it? Will you step into that? Because when you step into that, you're actually serving me. When you ignore that, you're ignoring me. This is why James, the half-brother of Jesus, said this in James 1.27. He said, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Like, you want religion? You want good religion? You want to know what to do? Well, do this. Serve the least of these. Find the vulnerable and step in and help them. Help them. And we can do this. The the reason that we can do this is because of the gospel. That, That none of our doing is out of our own power, our own willpower, our personal drive, any of that stuff. What we do, Peter says, the one who serves, serve in the strength of the Lord. And so Jesus, remember John chapter 15 is talking about I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, you'll produce great fruit. And so everything we do is just the overflow of what God is now doing in us. And so we want to do this, and we can do this when we see the gospel. Look, here's the truth for every one of us. We were hungry. Spiritually, we were starved. And Jesus came as the bread of life. But he didn't just say, look, spiritual food for all of you. He stepped in and said, look, the people are hungry. He has compassion. He says, bread, real, tangible bread. Now eat. Hey, guys, look, I'm going to let you do this. Jesus does this miracle, but then what does he do? He lets his disciples be the one to enact it. Here, take it. Share it. Keep giving it away. And you might be thinking in this scarcity mentality, that the more I give away, the less there is for me. He's like, no, I own every bit of this planet. I made it all. Just keep giving it. What are you afraid of? You didn't even make it in the first place I did, so keep giving it. He is the bread of life. And we were thirsty. And Jesus came, as he told the woman at the well, he said, I have have water 
That's not of this world. I have water that will well up in you for eternal life. It will quench your thirst forever. He will provide. And we were strangers. We were alienated from God. That we were cut off because of our sin. That God is holy. And so there is this separation where we were exiled, sent out from the garden from God's presence. And so there's been this separation. And yet God has lovingly and graciously been pursuing us. You were strangers. You were aliens. You were exiles. But he comes after us and says, no, come back to me. You are in exile. I'll bring you back. You belong. He does that for us. He came so we would no longer be strangers. And we were naked. You know, nakedness always comes back to this this idea in Scripture of shame. That Adam and Eve, they sin, they they fall, they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, saying, like, I'll be like God. That was the argument that convinced us. And so now I'll decide for myself what is right and wrong. I'm not going to submit to what God says is right and wrong. And how much do we see that in our culture? It's every one of us. I want to decide what is best. And yet, what happens when when they acquire this knowledge? They realize they're naked and they're ashamed and so they hide and they sew together some fig leaves. They sew together some fig leaves to hide their nakedness, to hide their shame. And so we live in shame. Our natural place is to realize that we know we have fallen short, that God is perfect and we live with this shame of like, look at all the ways that I mess up. Like, how quick can shame in your life? I just, there's a thought in your mind right now that if you entertain that thought, would just, oh, I feel dirty again. How quickly we fall into that. But it's not necessary. Because, you know, when they, when they made this suit of fig leaves, so to speak, what did God do? I can just imagine God kind of scoffing at it. Like, that's ridiculous, guys. What are you doing? And he kills an animal. He kills an animal. Blood is shed so that there could be now clothing, this leather garment to clothe their nakedness, to cover their shame. Blood must be shed. And that is exactly what Jesus has done. His blood was shed to cover our shame so we could actually be clothed. And I think this is why Jesus, when he's coming into Jerusalem, you know the, the like weird story where he's like, there's a fig tree and I'm hungry. And he goes over and the fig tree has no leaves or has no fruit. And he's like, well, cursed are you. And it withers and dies. And you're like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> just chill out. You don't, you don't, someone else may have just eaten all the fruit. And what's he doing there? It's so easy for us to think like, well, because it had no fruit, and like, we better bear fruit, or he's gonna like, Grr. no. Like, I cannot help but think this is intentional. This is beautiful. It's an allusion back to what did Adam and Eve try to do to cover their shame? We'll make our own clothes to cover our nakedness. That's called self-righteousness. That we think we can do this. And God steps in and says, no, you can't. So blood must be shed. I will cover your shame. And so fig tree with no fruit, not surprising. You're just going to die. You cannot do this yourself. So we were naked, and yet Jesus came, and he clothed us in his righteousness. We were sick, spiritually sick, in great need of a healer, and Jesus has healed us. We were in prison. We were enslaved to our sin. And Jesus has come to free us, to free us from our bondage to sin. That's what he has done. He has brought us to safety. And how has Jesus brought us to safety in all of these things? What has he done? He has adopted us into the family of God. That we were orphans. We had no real family. We were 
trying our best to survive on the street and not doing well at that. And Jesus came and said, look, come into the family of God. He has adopted us into the family of God. As sons and daughters, we now live in the family of God and it is safe in this home. It is safe in the family of God. There's a safe place that we can go. This is why the psalmist would so often say, the God, that the Lord is our refuge and our strength. He is where we run in times of trouble. We are protected there. We come into him. So here's the thing, church, beloved. If God has brought us into a safe family, then let's be a safe family that others can be part of. Let's be it. Let's be a safe family that others can be a part of. Jesus said we would be known by our love for each other, and we're called to always welcome in others into the family of God. It has always been that way, that he always wants us to welcome others in. And so that means we need to go looking for them, find them, and bring them in to safety. And we want to present to you an opportunity to do that today. So if you will, turn your attention to the screen. Right now, there are over 400,000 American kids in foster care. But did you know there are exponentially more with parents who desperately love their kids, who are perilously close to being swept up into the system? And the reason is they're alone and facing crisis. It's just hard to even imagine that when you're in trouble and you look at your phone and you actually have nobody to call, there are a ton of people that are in that situation. Safe Families exists to provide struggling families with love, community, and support before it becomes necessary for the state to step in and remove their children. Put another way, Safe Families exists to keep families together. All throughout scripture, when we look from the Old Testament all through the life of Christ and the early church, a common thing that was partnered with their worship was their love and care of their neighbor. And oftentimes their neighbor is one who is struggling, one who is vulnerable. You think of when scripture talks about the orphan or the widow, they're talking about those who are vulnerable in our society who don't have support, who don't have family, who don't have a community to love and to help them. Our call as Christians is to be that family for them. God has woven that in all throughout his story. We mobilize families in your church to come alongside these families who are struggling at their time of greatest need to support a parent, to keep a kid safe, and to help keep a family unit together. What's so cool about the Safe Families movement is that there are so many ways you and your church family can be involved in this community of love and healing. Host families taking children for short periods of time while their parents get back on their feet. Family friends provide support to families in need through mentoring and transportation, as well as to host families through babysitting and emotional support. Resource friends provide various types of goods and services to families in need to help parents get back on their feet. Think clothing and meals. Family coaches are trained to provide resources to families in crisis. They also ensure that the kids are well cared for in host family homes. And Safe Families Churches are spiritual communities that bring Safe Families in as a ministry of their church to organize and unleash volunteers to serve their community. God has designed us to live in community and he has called us to live on mission. And he calls us to do that to those who are most vulnerable in society. 
Safe Families provides the opportunity for you to both live in community and live on mission and be community for families who don't have the community that they need for their success and their health and their growth. So I just wanna invite you, join our community and be community for a family who is in need. And you're going to see your life fulfilled as you live out your design and mission and you're gonna see a family's life changed. Hey man, well, if you will, uh, this is Ryan and Amanda Locuson who have joined us to introduce this new opportunity. Um, Ryan and Amanda are actually going to be spearheading this ministry for our church as deacons, uh, deacon and deaconess of Beloved Church. And so uh, I would love for you to just kind of share a little bit about who you are, kind of what your heart is behind this, um, why you would step into this role. So um, again, Ryan and Amanda, um, <laughs> for in case you didn't know. Um, so we are excited about this opportunity. Um, Several years ago, roughly five years ago, uh, we were um, at the beginning stages of our adoption process and we were working with uh, Bethany Christian Services in Winter Garden. And um, during our informational meeting, we had, they had mentioned safe families and it was something that sounded really awesome to us at the time. Um, but we were really, um, really called towards adoption at that point. Um, weren't ready for, for safe families at that point. Um, during that time, during that five years, we had several close family friends and, and family that were involved with Safe Families, and we saw how awesome that ministry was and the impact that it was having on not only the, the host families, but the, the families of the, of the children that were involved with that. Um, it was massive impacts, and you could see how that Safe Families was bringing those, those families into the church and, and really growing them and taking care of them. Um, so when what, a month ago or so, um, Kevin approached us and said that um, they were, or he was approached by Safe Families to, to bring that to, to Beloved, and that was something that we were really excited about. And um, it was funny, because we, had, Amanda and I were just talking about it the night before, and sure enough, it, it came to true. So um, we're really excited about it, and really think that it would be a great ministry for, uh, for us at Beloved. Yeah. Man, Ryan just hogged all of that. So this is Amanda, his wife. I'm <laughs> cool. Uh, well, Amanda, can you tell us um, what, what can we do if we want to learn more about this or if we want to take our first step to actually be part of this ministry um, in light of what Jesus has called us to, that we, we should serve the vulnerable. We should serve those who are classified as the least among us, the, the people who don't have what we have. How can we step into this opportunity? Um, so my favorite line from that video, I've watched it a lot over the last few weeks, is to be the community that, to those who don't have community. Um, a lot of you guys have walked through our adoption journey with us and even when Ryan had his accident. And like every time we talk about that, I'm just like flabbergasted with the amount of support we had from our community. And so to think about people going through such things and not having a community like breaks my heart. And so... Um, my favorite thing about Safe Families is getting to be that community for other people. Um, and so I'm really excited about bringing it to Beloved, and we've talked to Kevin a lot. So there's different levels of joining and being a part of Safe Families. 
First, they have host families, which is exactly what it says it is. There's a kid who needs a safe place to go. You have an extra room. They're going to match with you. Um, you're not in it alone. Ryan and I are ministry leads and um, family coaches. So if you do have a placement in your home, like we will be in your home once a week, like helping you out and, and doing anything and everything you need. Um, so you're not in it alone. So please don't think we're going to drop off a kid and be like, peace out, I'm gone. Um, that's not the case. Um, and it could be for as quick as overnight or up to six weeks is the average like time span. So there's host families, and then there's family friends, which is where I feel so much that this is where we're going to fit. I feel like we have so many amazing people at Beloved that family friends is going to be our niche. And like we were talking to Kevin about it, and I was like, I'm so excited to be a family friend. And that's basically where it is what it says it is. Like, you're just a friend to this family in crisis. And maybe they need someone to go to a doctor's appointment with them. Or maybe they need someone to help watch a baby so they can go to a job interview. Or maybe they just need a ride to the job interview. Maybe they need it to borrow an outfit for the job interview. Like, that's where we step in and we're that friend. Like, to sit with them in the ER waiting room or to watch babies while they're in an ER waiting room. Like, that's what we're going to do. And I'm so excited to do that with other people. And like, I've done that with some of you guys, and you guys have done that with me. And just to be able to do that to someone in, in crisis, like I'm so excited about it. Um, and then we have resource friends, um, and that's, we're going to start a closet in our little house, like we have a she shed. And our she shed is gonna become a resource closet where it's gonna have um, clothes for kids in need, clothes for adults in need, um, extra baby stuff, things like that. Like, we all have that extra stuff in our closets that we don't really need. We're going to build a resource room and help those families that just need stuff. Um, also, maybe you're good at finance and, like, this, this family needs help working out a budget. Like, you're going to sit down and you're going to help them do that. Um, so those are the different levels that we can get involved. We have host families, we have family friends, and we have resource friends. Um, and I just am really excited about that. So we're going to have a meeting. Oh, you have packets on the table, like little pamphlets, and it explains all those different roles as well. Um, we're going to have a meeting on May 10th. I've been saying April 10th, but that was past tense. That's not going to work unless you have a DeLorean that takes you back in time. Um, so May 10th, we're going to have a meeting, a house meeting at the church office, um, and Aubrey and Ashley are going to be there. They're the Orlando point people for safe families who we've been working with a lot. Um, to just answer any questions and to like talk this through and to see who's interested in where we want to get started. Um, I don't want you to feel like pressured like, oh gosh, Amanda's asking us to host a kid in our home because that's not the case. Like there are so many other things that we can do to be the community. And I'm just, I'm so excited. And like our son is adopted. Um, that's not a secret. You're never going to have a Chandler Bing moment with Caleb and what? Um, so <laughs> don't worry about it. He knows. Um, but, like, when I talk to his birth mom and I know, like, the things that they went through, like, Bethany and Safe Families stepped in for them. And, like, I'm just so grateful that, like, this has served our kid before he was even born. And now we get to do this. Like, I'm so excited about it. Um, and I'm just, we're so excited to get to be community for those that don't have it. Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. So. Yeah. So, so my understanding is that with Safe Families, we're not just kind of arbitrarily matched with people. These are kids and families in our own community. Yeah, so that's the big thing. Um, 
There is a big safe family community in Orange County. It is not yet in Lake County. We will be the first safe family church in Lake County. We will be the first safe family church to serve Lake County schools, um, which is a big deal. Um, and it's, it's huge, it's a huge opportunity. So, and the thing is, is like, when we talked to Kevin and we've talked to Aubrey about it, like we didn't want to start this ministry and get people excited to sign up and then be like, just kidding, there's no families. Um, but they grow with growing churches. So like, as we have families approved and wanting to start, they'll start bringing families into the fold. Um, and the cool thing is, is like, we are that step before they go into the state system. So like, we're gonna give you the two weeks you need to get off the street. Most of the families go into safe family because they're homeless. And so we're gonna give you those two weeks or those three weeks to get situated while you figure this out before the state steps in. Um, so it's, it's kind of neat to be that step before it gets scary. Like yeah. it's still kind of scary, but before it gets really scary. Yeah, I, I would just encourage you, read the literature. Um, there, it's profound how helpful this ministry is, that when a child is actually taken by DCF and they're put into the state system, typically that starts a trajectory that is really hard to turn around. But in this ministry, when you step in, and this is voluntarily based, so there, there's not the high level of an adoptive family, a foster family. No. This, is, this is less than that. This is us more organically saying, like, we want to be your friend and serve you. And so they have a real relationship with us. And the number of times that this prevents a family from reaching that tipping point of falling into something that they cannot recover from is incredible. And so this is a beautiful opportunity for us. Thank you so much for leading this. Um, if, if we want to take another step forward, we can come to this interest meeting. Mm -hmm. That's May 10th. Yes. At May the 10th. church office. May. May. Not April. Not April. <laughs> so um, please make sure you're there. It's on the Church Center app, so you can put that into your calendar. Make sure you don't miss it. Um, but we also know you guys have kind of said, like, come to us. Yeah. So uh, we're going to share their email addresses are right up here. You can email them. You can come you talk to them. You will probably get a quicker response from me. Just saying. <laughs> I love Ryan, but you will probably get a quicker response from me. I've got a thousand emails. Just saying. Very cool. Well, thank you two so much for doing this. And church, I just really want to encourage you. Let's step into this. Um, the, the way that this works, they will actually work a lot with the public schools around here. And so imagine like that guy in the video said, like, if you come to a moment of crisis and you pull out your phone and you realize, I have no one. I doubt there are any of us in this room that would come to that point. But there are thousands of people in Claremont alone who are at that point. And we can step in. And we can be the ones to provide clothing and food and shelter. All these things that Jesus said, when you do this for them, you have done it for me. So let's get excited about this and let's really step into it. Let's serve our community and bring them into the safe family of God. Amen? Let's do this. All right, well, let's pray. Uh, thank you again. God, we are overwhelmed with, with gratitude for the fact that you have brought us into your family. Um, this is your gospel, which is good news. It is good news that you have come to make us no longer be orphans or strangers, to no longer be naked. But in all these ways that we have great needs, immediately and eternally, you have come and you have made the way. Jesus, we thank you that that was at your expense, that you died to bring us in that you have been our covering and you are our covering. So we love you. Uh, God, we praise you. And God, I ask for our church um, that you would stir our hearts up. Um, 
Help us to find a way that we can all connect with this ministry, whether that is actually inviting children into our homes for a season or just supporting families as friends to them or if that's just providing for tangible needs. God, help us all to play a part in this. I love you. God, we trust you. And God, as we, as we sing again, we do so knowing that you are good and you have shown us what it is to love others because there is no greater love than what you have shown us that you would lay down your life for us. And so because you love us, we love you and we give back, praising you. In Jesus' name, amen.